0: podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. For the month of uh, December we've we've chosen this theme uh, about Behold Your King. And uh, we're going to be looking at some select passages uh, that reveal to us as Jesus being the king. And uh, when you look in the the gospel accounts, um, each one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us a different aspect of of who Jesus really is. Uh, The book of John uh, tells us and shows us about Jesus' deity, the fact that he is 100% God. Um, and uh, that believing in him, right, that you may have eternal life. Uh, the uh, book of Luke gives us this fascinating details about Jesus' humanity, that not only was he 100% God, is what John teaches us, but that he was also 100% human. And you see the humanity side uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And Mark gives us these details about Jesus being a servant, and Mark is the, the shortest of all the Gospels. Um, and when you read through the book of Mark, you always see Jesus going and doing. And, you know, you just, and he went, and he went, and he did this, and he went. Like, he's just always going and doing. But the book of Matthew gives us and shows us Jesus as the king of the Jews. Uh, it tells of his, his rightful place. Uh, to reign as king, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter number two here this morning, and, and perhaps you're, you're probably really familiar with this text, and that's okay, um, because as we're going to read through it, it's a narrative, and it tells us, gives us the story about uh, Jesus' birth, but more importantly, it gives us the, the narrative about the wise men that come and seek out uh, Jesus, And uh, not only that, but we read about the tragic details of Herod and uh, what Herod ends up doing uh, to all the children there. One of the things that you'll notice, especially as you go through the book of Matthew, is how many times you'll find this thing about being fulfilled by the prophets. That phrase, fulfilled by the prophet. That which was spoken was fulfilled, right? And you'll see that several times, especially when we go through here in uh, Matthew chapter number 2. And uh, I want to show you a few things here. You're going to see how the wise men responded to Jesus' birth, how Herod uh, responded to Jesus' birth, but most importantly, I think, is how Jerusalem responded to Jesus' birth. And uh, hopefully... Maybe this will teach us some things about our own hearts and how we should be responding to uh, Christ as being our king. One of the interesting things about this passage is we have to kind of put ourselves in that time that they were living and seeing prophecy being fulfilled right before their very eyes. And if you notice, and you watch, and you listen, and you take note of how these people responded to the fulfilled fulfilled prophecy, I think it can really teach us something as well. You know, we are not awaiting Jesus to come as the Messiah as a baby. Um, We are waiting for Jesus, the Messiah, to come as a king, and a conqueror, and a ruler, Uh, One that is going to uh, bring the culmination of all things. And you know what's interesting is if you don't recognize it at all, we are living in times of fulfilled prophecy happening before our very eyes. And uh, we need to take note of that. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you today. How does my heart respond that Jesus is king? How does my heart respond that Jesus is king? Well, let's take note here. Uh, First of all, I want to tell you about the wise men who came to worship. When we read Matthew's account here, there's not a whole lot that we know about the wise men. Scripture just really doesn't tell us a lot. Uh, We know that they are wise men. Maybe your translation reads magi. Um, and we read that they came from the east. Uh, we don't know their names. We don't know how many there were. as tradition usually gives us and teaches us that there were three wise men. But uh, we do know at least that there were more than one, right? Um, we don't know. It could have been a caravan, for all we know, uh, that was coming to go and seek out uh, Jesus to worship him as king. But one thing that we do know is that God has given us everything that we do need to know about these wise men. And uh, really, I, I think we should kind of put aside all those traditions and things that maybe we've grown up around thinking about who these wise men were, and really just focus in on what the scripture teaches us about these wise men. What's interesting to think about is, though how unknown these men were, God does show us of how important it is to worship Christ, and that's what these men did. I mean, here they are, they, they, they see a, a phenomenon in the sky, a, a star appears, and, and what do they do? They they get their stuff together and they like okay let's go let's go find him, and uh, they are seeking out to worship Christ. When we see these men coming from the east and following the star, we could probably assume that they maybe have had an interest in astronomy. They they were watching the stars, watching the sky. Uh, they they knew that this was something that was out of the ordinary. This was something that was extraordinary, something that they have never seen before. And from what we know in Scripture is that they followed the star. Listen to what Matthew says here in verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, so this is after his birth, right? In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Something unusual was observed. A new star appears. What was this star? We really don't know. Uh, I watched a documentary on this uh, a couple years ago. And uh, some guy supposedly with uh, some technology and able to trace back with the, uh, the night sky was able to uh, show the night sky of actually what it looked like uh, when G- Christ was born. And we really don't know what this star was, but it was something that God did, something amazing that he was able to bring planets together, uh, bring something together where it was so interesting that these wise men took note of it. And uh, they said, hey, this is it. This is it. Let's go find uh, the king of the Jews. And you know, when you think about it, other than the star, what led these wise men to seek the king of the Jews? What led him to, to, to be going out and, and trying to seek after uh, Christ. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if they didn't have the star, would they still have went and sought the king of the Jews? Notice again what they said here in verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, what, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? How did they know about the king of the Jews? How did they know that they were seeking after Christ? He says, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. How is that possible? Well, I believe that these men did have access to some of the Old Testament scriptures we can kind of maybe speculate that since they came from the east, they probably more than likely came from Babylon. And with them coming from Babylon, who do we know in the Old Testament that was living in Babylon that maybe was a prophet? Daniel, that's right. And could it be that perhaps, I'm sure, that some of the the things that Daniel had written down were things that these wise men had studied and learned about And they said, hey, we are going to look for the king of the Jews. And then they see this phenomenon in the sky, and they say, all right, let's go. Let's go find him. And so you have these wise men in the east who are genuine God-seekers, whose hearts were prepared for the coming of Israel's Messiah, Because they had read and studied about the coming Messiah. Look again at verses 1 and 2. Matthew's account here begins with the arrival of the wise men at Jerusalem. The wise men did not seek out Herod to learn the birthplace of the king of the Jews. And what's interesting is that in in history, if you start reading about Herod, who he was... Herod actually had taken the title to himself as being the king of the Jews. And he did that because of all of his military campaigns. And he says, I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king of the Jews. And here comes these wise men showing up and asking, hey, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star and we've come to worship him. And so Matthew's words here, uh, they, they seem to give us the impression that the wise, the wise men arrived in Jerusalem asking whoever that they met. Why Jerusalem? Well, because they, they knew that's where the Jews were. And can you imagine the picture here? Here comes this giant caravan, possibly. They're going through the streets. All right, you guys over here, start asking these people over here. Ask these guys over here. They're getting down off of their, uh, their horses and their camels, whatever. And they're going from person to person. Hey, can you tell me, uh, where's the king of the Jews at? Oh, we're looking for him. You, do you, you know, right? You, you, you live in Jerusalem. And they're going from person to person asking and asking and asking. And more than likely now, I think this is where word has gotten to Herod that people are asking around hey, where's the king of the Jews at? Where is he? Where is he? And what's interesting to think about this, you would think that in a place like Jerusalem, that with the wise men's questions, someone could have given them a straight answer. But you know what we find? Silence. They don't know. They have no idea. Surely if they had been so clearly guided by God these people must have had even a greater understanding, right? I mean, this is the king of the Jews that was to be born. And you would have to think that here comes these wise men from the east. And looking at the bewildered look upon people's faces, the shrugging shoulders, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. How is that possible? No doubt, as they were going around in Jerusalem, asking about the Messiah's birth here, word is traveling around. Hey, there's some guys around here asking about Jesus. They're asking about the Messiah who was born, the King of the Jews. Did you guys hear about that? Probably in the Jerusalem Times, it was probably published, you know. Somebody's looking for for the Messiah. Who is this Messiah? Question mark. And they're looking around. They're talking in the marketplace. Do you hear them? What they may be saying now? What have these guys been reading? Who are these people? You've got to be kidding me. What? The worst part of all of this is that those who consider themselves the spiritual elite of Israel could do no more than to shrug their shoulders when asked of Messiah's residence. And eventually Herod becomes aware of this because uh, we read in verses 3 through 6, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, there it is, that fulfillment, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now this is interesting because regardless of Herod's motives here, because we, we do realize what ends up happening, right? Herod slaughters all the innocent children. We have this meeting that Herod has uh, with these uh, wise men. And uh, he begins talking with them and he has this meeting with these scribes and uh, uh, these, uh, these men, the chief priests. And he's inquiring, where is the Christ child to be born? Oh, yeah, hold, hold on, let's see. We got, I, I know it's around here somewhere. I, I, I remember reading something about that. And they, Tell him it was in Bethlehem. And this is interesting because God was using Herod to reveal the place to the wise men who were seeking to find and worship the Savior. Take a look at verses uh, 10 through 11 here. It was not until after they were headed south from Jerusalem at this time that the star reappears, because look what it says. When they saw the star, what happened? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. (laughs) So here they are following it. They get to Jerusalem. They're asking people around, Hey, where's the Christ child? Where's the Messiah that we can worship Him? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, in Bethlehem. And then what do they see? They see the star reappear and they begin to make their journey again. And they're rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. And we find then... That the star leads them to the very house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were staying. The star stands still over the place where the Christ child would be found. And from the facts, uh, from what the text here reads, it tells us that the wise men entered into the house. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now, I hate to burst your bubble here, but uh, some of the Christmas traditions that you might be familiar with, you have the wise men showing up at the birth of Jesus. I'm sorry, that's not scriptural, okay? Uh, More than likely, Jesus was a toddler now at this time, and uh, they came and they sought out uh, the Christ child, and they're not in the stable anymore. They're in the house, right? And uh, they go in there, they find the Christ child, and they give him uh, these gifts, presenting their gifts uh, there. But what's interesting here is the eagerness of the wise men to find the king of the Jews. How eager they were to search him out, to desire to worship him. That's something that we really need to take note of here. And uh, while Herod and all Jerusalem are troubled by the news here, of the birth of the king, the magi eagerly seek him out, and uh, they're they're wanting to to be there. Now, you know, you think about this a little bit. The response of the wise men, how eager they were to worship the 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 Messiah, versus Jerusalem and Herod. Right? Like, there's a there's a vast difference between those two, and. Why? Why why was all Jerusalem ignorant and so apathetic of the reports of the Messiah? Why is that? Why was Jerusalem not informed about Messiah's birth? And why was Jerusalem not, not, like, in droves, heading down there towards Bethlehem to worship Christ, right? I think it's interesting that all of these, these wise men coming to seek out the Christ child just really shows how apathetic and spiritual, spiritually blind these people were in Jerusalem. That they didn't have a care to, to be there and to uh, be a part of that. And so God reveals their king to his people, but they didn't really care. And then you have these wise men. God revealed the Messiah's birth to them. A people who are far away, but all of Jerusalem seemed uninformed and apathetic. Is that not what has happened in our salvation as well? Throughout history, there have been always been those that, like the wise men, that have sought God's Messiah and found Him. Often they have not been those whom we would have expected to find in a, in a place of worship or in a, in a, in a type of worship setting. But God is the one who is revealing and bringing people to salvation. And here's these wise men who were afar off. And God used his word, God used this phenomenon to bring these people to come and worship Christ. And that's what God does, right? I mean, God is bringing his church together from different backgrounds from different races from different cultures and he's bringing us all as one right we are one in Jesus Christ Ephesians 2:11 through 13 reminds us this way it says therefore remember that formerly you the gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's just an amazing thing that God does in salvation, that He brings us near to Himself through the blood of Christ. And these wise men, even though they were afar off, God used some miraculous things to bring them to Himself. But yet you have these people who are just so bewildered and have no idea, no clue of what's going on. So let's look here at a second uh, part of this. You have Herod, who is a very troubled king. And we're not told that much about Herod the Great here in Scripture. Only his cruelty to these innocents as we find in Matthew when he slaughters uh, all the children. Now, those who are familiar with history, you should not be surprised by this, right? Like, if you just look... At historical figures, kings, conquerors, you look at, at things that they had done to gain their power, to gain their, uh, their borders of their, uh, their empire, you see how ruthless and cruel a lot of these kings really were. Herod was no different. And so it shouldn't surprise us at all, like, can you believe it? He killed all those children. Yeah, he did, because he considered it a threat to his uh, to his power to his uh, to his king uh, kingdom. There we find uh, just reading through history uh, at the time of our Lord's birth, which have, may have occurred somewhere between uh, seven and four BC. Again, I hate to burst your bubble here, but you know Jesus really wasn't born on December twenty fifth. Okay, uh, he wasn't born on the year zero. Okay, sorry. Uh, More than likely between 7 and 4 BC. Herod at this time would have been probably around 70 years old when uh, Christ was born. And he was in very poor health and destined to die within a very short time. Uh, Around 4 BC is what we learn in history. Matthew tells us that after the death of Herod... Mary and Joseph returned from hiding in Egypt. That's uh, in verses uh, 19 through 23 in Matthew 2. It tells us, But when Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And uh, so God used the death of Herod even to bring uh, Jesus back uh, through all of that. Now, it's not without significance that Herod's rule was threatened by the magi who sought to worship the king of the Jews. Because remember, here's Herod. He had the title king of the Jews. Here comes the the wise men into town and they say, Hey, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Uh Uh-oh. You mean there's another one? There's somebody else who has the king of the Jews title. Who is this guy? And he begins assembling the chief priests and the scribes to find out who this person really is. And they say, Where is he? Where is he? Oh, Bethlehem. Hmm. Okay. And can you imagine the impact on Herod when the wise men arrived? Probably so probably visually upset, maybe steaming. "Mm, This is a threat to my kingdom. This is a threat to my power. This little child who's been born king of the Jews. We learn in history about Herod's personal life. Uh, He had many wives, many children, victims. He probably had about 10 wives, 12 sons. And Just to show you how ruthless this guy was, there were many times in his own family that he had his own family murdered so that way he could keep his power because he considered his own family a threat. Oftentimes when he would leave Jerusalem for an extended period of time, if he thought that the thing was dangerous, he would actually change his will so that way uh, it would uh, have somebody that was going to rule in his place. But then if he considered that person a threat, he would have them wiped out even before he left. That's how ruthless this guy really was. And he's very troubled at the news of Jesus, the Messiah, being born as king of the Jews. And so we see him, he's he's so upset. And Can you imagine this? A 70-year-old king with failing health, afraid of a newly born child, a two-year-old as we saw with the wise men asking where the king of the Jews is, as eventually reports it reached the ears of Herod. Let's look at the text here again. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so far as I can tell, there was never any question about what Herod was intending to do here. Herod's inquiry first with the chief priests and scribes and then with the uh, wise men was regarding only two matters. What was it? The place and the time of the infant's birth. He wanted to know. There was never a question as to what he would ever do. Only the necessity of gaining the information so that the kill could be taken care of. You see how conniving and calculating this man really was? Extracting the information that he needed. And we actually read that he has this this falsehood about himself because he says, and he sent them, he sends the, uh, the wise men to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. Very conniving and cunning this man really was. And so he calls these men, this word inquired here, uh, as we see here, uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. It suggests that there was a meticulous process, perhaps a questioning one by one of each scholar, each scribe. Is that really what that says? Are you sure? Are you 100% are, you know, are you, are you accurately 100% sure? There is an inquiry that is going on here. And Herod has his information. He knows what he needs to do. He has the age of the child, and he knows the place. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Notice what happens here. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And so they, the, the wise men leave and they go. But then they are warned by God in a dream. Say, don't go back. Herod intends to kill that child. And so what do the wise men do? They leave. And then we read something interesting because Matthew records for us this very terrible event that takes place. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under. The death of children is horrible. No parent, no parent. Seeing your own child born would ever wish to see the death of an innocent child. And if this doesn't stir you about what happened, oh, God help you. Look how cunning this man is. He says that he sent and killed all the male children two years old or under, just in case I missed anybody. And not only that, but not only in Bethlehem, but even on all the surrounding regions. That's how furious this man was. And how much he protected and wanted his own kingdom. That he considered Christ a threat to himself. And then we have here, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. What do we learn about this man, Herod? There are some who take the claims of Jesus very seriously, but who for selfish reasons actively seek to rid themselves of his sovereign rule in their lives. There are people like that all in this world today that don't want anything to do with Jesus. They would do anything they can to rid themselves of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the message of Christ, just like how Herod did as well. Let's look at the last one here. Jerusalem is a very troubled city. When God chose to reveal his son to his people, the most shocking response to all of this, the birth of of Messiah is not that of the wise men. It's not that of Herod. But as we read here in Matthew's account of the birth of our Lord in chapter number two here, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and how they responded to the birth of Christ. Look at verse number three here. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why was Jerusalem troubled? Jerusalem is said to have been troubled with him. Now this suggests that there's a common concern here. Now I don't think it was the fact of them going, "Whoa, well, we can't say anything because if we say anything, Herod's going to take, take us out. So we're not going to say anything. No, I don't think that at all. When you think about it, The wise men who traveled long distance inquiring about the birth of the king of the Jews because they wanted to worship him. The star that they're following. They're proclaiming, hey, Messiah's been born. Where is he? Where's the king of the Jews? Where is he at? And you contrast all Jerusalem failed to find the birth announcement. Why? Apathy. They didn't care. They didn't care. You know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Five miles. The king of the Jews is born unto you. I mean, if you just go back a year prior to this, what happened? A miraculous scene, right? The angels proclaiming, For unto you in the city of David is born a king. The shepherds, it says that they went out in the region round about, Hey, Jesus is born. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. And now you hear, you see them, and they're troubled. And they themselves would not even be over there at Mary and Joseph's house worshiping the Messiah. That's troubling. Shouldn't they have known? Shouldn't they be as zealous as these uh, men that went after uh, these uh, these wise men that went to go look after Christ, seeking Mount? And you think about all the things that took place right before that—the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth, the miracles accompanying the birth of John—were well known to Jerusalem. We read about it in Luke one ten, uh, Luke one21 through twenty two, and Luke one fifty seven through sixty six. What about the birth of Jesus was announced to the shepherds? They came to see the babe. Luke 2, 17 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What about Jesus' presentation at the temple? They take the Christ child to the temple to have him circumcised. And you have the spirit-filled proclamations of Simeon and Anna in Luke 2, 21 through 38. Those things weren't done in secret. Jerusalem knew. But they were very apathetic at their response in all of that. Why would Jerusalem be so apathetic? Well, let me give you some possible reasons. Number one, because their Messiah came as a helpless babe. They were looking for somebody who was going to be mighty, that was going to cast off the Roman rule. Somebody who was going to just finally take care of all this stuff. They didn't want some baby. Some baby that was born in a stable, you kidding me? That's not what they were thinking. What could a baby do? Secondly, Jerusalem was unwilling to worship Messiah who was not properly introduced. If you can remember back, Jesus was always considered, and we really don't want to be around this guy. Why? Because he associated himself with what? The publicans and the sinners. He was always around other people that were not the elite, the spiritual uh, snobs, right? Right? Jesus was not that, that great and mighty warrior coming riding in on a horse. What did he come riding in on? A colt. A donkey. It was not what they expected. Thirdly, Jerusalem in the, in the time of our Lord's birth, like today, was in unbelief. And thus was unwilling to seek Him or to worship Him. I'm reminded of Paul's description of mankind, including Jews in uh, Romans three ten. It says that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. And it is not shocking to find that when our Lord publicly presented Himself to the nation some 30 years later accompanied by signs, wonders, miracles, raising people from the dead, feeding 5,000 people with loaves and fishes. They failed, even as a nation, to accept him as their king. And it was in Jerusalem that he was crucified. And so if we look closely, we can see apathy in our lives as well, spiritual apathy, right? I mean, we have... we have even here in America, right? Like, we have, we have the right to freely assemble. We have translations of God's Word in, in the English translation. We, can, we have copies. Some of us have two, three, four of these things, God's Word, at home. But yet we're spiritually apathetic. Our heart is not really seeking after Christ. Our heart is not really desiring to worship Christ. We have our sermons and we have our worship and we have our prayers, but our heart, where is it? It's being concerned about other things. And if the wise men were to show up today and say, hey, where's the king of the Jews at? We're here to worship him. What would our response be? I don't know, grab a seat. Where's our heart at? Is it seeking after Christ? Is it seeking after our King, Jesus? Jesus is coming back. <laughs> and We don't need to be so spiritually apathetic that we don't know the signs, that we don't know what's happening, that we don't know what's going on. And so I pray that we as a church would be spiritually on fire for Jesus Christ, spiritually desiring Him and wanting to worship Him. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.